You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Venom Audio Network. Hello, friends. I'm so glad you joined me today here on the podcast. Before we get into our conversation with our next guest, I just want to tell you about two really important things. First, uh, if you have not signed up for my newsletter, it's called One Little Word. I encourage you to do that. Uh, It comes out about every two weeks, and I have fresh content in there, usually kind of a take on something that's going on in the culture or maybe something I've learned from history or maybe uh, a nugget of wisdom or two about leadership. If that's uh, kind of your thing, I encourage you to join uh, the rest of us in our One Little Word community. I also share about upcoming projects that I'm working on and books I'm reading that are kind of in my book stack and some interesting things around the web that I've been paying attention to. So if if you'd like to do that, go to my website, danieldarling.com, sign up for One Little Word. Also, we're entering Christmas season, and for me, I don't think it's ever too early to celebrate Christmas, and especially this year in 2020. Uh, what a year we've been and how much we need Advent, how much we need to just sit, meditate, lament, and anticipate the coming of Jesus. I love Christmas. I don't know about you. It's my favorite time of year. Maybe this year is a harder one because there's people missing or you can't visit relatives because of COVID or of you lost loved ones. I hope you can find comfort and joy this Christmas season. And one of the ways that I hope that we can do that is with my book, The Characters of Christmas. Now, last year uh, it was released and I was really surprised at the response that people really across the country really resonated with it, churches even. And so if you would like something to do with your church or your small group or even yourself, I want to encourage you to uh, get The Characters of Christmas. This is a a book where I go through each of the, the kind of main people in this story, these really ordinary people like Mary and Joseph and and Zechariah and Elizabeth and Anna and Simeon and these shepherds and wise men from the East. And how do they get caught up in the greatest story of all time? I profile each of them and how they kind of point us toward Jesus. So I, I hope that you would check out this book, The Characters of Christmas. You can go to thecharactersofchristmas.com or to my website, danieldarling.com. We have a lot of free downloads that correspond with this. If you want to do this with your church or church group, we have study guides and things that you can do if you want to do a church campaign. So please visit thecharactersofchristmas.com and get uh, links to the Christmas book that I really enjoyed writing. It's also available at your favorite retailers. Welcome to the Way Home Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Uh, We have a great guest in store today. I don't know about you, but as a parent, one of the things we wrestle with is how do we teach our kids to think about and embrace pop culture? movies, music, social media, all sorts of cultural artifacts, cultural things that are around us. It seems like there's two approaches that I've seen and have been tempted to practice. One is to kind of withdraw our kids from everything and not let them watch movies or or listen to music unless it's uh, explicitly Christian. Another is to kind of be so permissive that we don't have any standards and any guidelines. And I asked my friend Jared Moore to come on and help parents walk through and navigate some of these challenges. And actually, beyond just what is right and what is not right, how do we 
consume cultural stuff and also look in it for themes that can point us to biblical truth. He has a new book out with a couple of co-authors. It's called The Pop Culture Parent, Helping Kids Engage Their World for Christ, which is published by uh, New Growth Press. It's a really important book. I think you'll benefit from this. Some of the questions I had are perhaps questions that you have as a parent. So let's join our conversation with Jared Moore. I'm glad to have on the podcast my friend Jared Moore, a pastor here in Tennessee and host of a really good podcast on pop culture and writer. Jared, thanks for joining me today, man. Hi, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for having me, brother. I I appreciate your ministry and uh, I'm looking forward to our discussion. Yeah. So our our listeners can't see it, but you're wearing a Tennessee Titans hat. Yes. I I like to see. Yeah. Looking good, huh? Yeah, it's good to be a Tennessee Titans fan right now. At least we got one football team, you know, that uh, (laughs) you can celebrate right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, glad to have you on here. And you have a brand new book out that is really helpful. It's it's co-written with a couple other guys. It's called The Pop Culture Parent, Helping Kids Engage Their World for Christ. I love uh, your heart behind this, you know, because parents – have you know Christian parents that want to really raise their kids well, they want to protect them from bad influences, but also want to help shape them for their life in the world and help them to think well. You know, it's it's complicated at times about what do we let our kids watch, what do we not let them watch. This parent lets their kid watch this, and our we don't let them do this, or vice versa. Or I can't believe you let your kids watch that. You know, that's kind of what it's like being a parent. You know, my oldest is almost 16. My youngest is nine. So we're kind of in the thick of that, you know, mm-hmm. what, and increasingly it's changing from movies and music or well, music is still a thing, but, or YouTube and what, what other things that they're consuming. So glad you wrote this book. One of the things that you do in the beginning is you have five questions to ask about pop culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think these are really good and I'm just going to read through them. Okay. What is the story? What is the moral and imaginary world? What is good, true, and beautiful in this world? What is false and idolatrous in this world? And how is Jesus the true answer to this story's hope? I like that. Uh, just just talk about that framework a little bit. Yeah, so we, we want to you know take a, a thoroughly biblical approach to discipleship in, and utilize pop culture for that purpose to, to train our children to grow up to be ambassadors for Christ. Um, the premise, the main premise of the book or the presupposition is that we we are living in a pop culture world, a, a world that is saturated in pop culture. And it's to the point where our children are going to participate in pop culture in some form or fashion. Um, it, it's almost unavoidable. It's there we breathe. And so our argument is we want to train our children to be ambassadors for Christ in this world, not, not to train them in a world that doesn't exist. But to train them, how do you live as a distinct, in a distinctly Christian manner, manner, as ambassadors for Christ in a pop culture world? And so those questions they start off with: How do we appreciate um, other image bearers and the art that they produce? And how do we love them and value them and value their art that God has used them to create? And they, because he, any image bearer, when they're producing art or they're producing culture. 
it's going to have both the fingerprints of the fall and the fingerprints of God on it. And so we want to help train our children to appreciate the fingerprints of God, to recognize the fingerprints of the fall, and to reject those fingerprints, but also to recognize that those fingerprints of the fall are trying to argue for a counterfeit God or a counterfeit gospel. And there's a promise that's usually attached to that. You know, fulfill like you think of the the identity issues right now going on. If folks will just be who they want to be, then it will. They'll have this some sort of fulfillment. They'll have their best life, and and so you know, pointing that out in various forms of pop culture and and showing our children how um, no being who God has designed you to be is an act of His glory, worshiping Him, steering them towards that direction. Because the the idols have all these promises, but only Jesus can truly fulfill often what the idol promises. And uh, sin is always marching us to the grave while telling us it's marching us to happiness. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. I, I like the the kind of polls that you you have here. On the one hand, you talk about hands-off parenting, the problem with hands-off parenting, like just being so permissive that we let our kids just do whatever yep. and consume whatever with no oversight, no guidance. And then the problem with endless childproofing, on the other hand, where we're so protective as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe talk about the danger of both of those approaches. Sure, sure. Pop culture can be, it can be dangerous. It, it does have forms of idolatry. Um, it, it is worldview shaping, worldview forming. And we want to help train our children. So, so the parent who says just hands off and just let your children drink deeply of pop culture because it's, it's harmless entertainment. Number one, we're, we live in a fallen world. And so those fallen ideas um, and worldviews and, and um, gospels, false gospels are, are present all around us. All these forms of popular culture are arguing something, and it's either in line with Scripture or it's contrary to Scripture. And pop culture has a way of uh, catechizing us and catechizing our children and training them to think and, and what they view. I mean, that's the reason why you think of, um, for example, how, how uh, homosexuality is overtly accepted in our culture. And what has, what has been the primary way um, to desensitize uh, folks in our country concerning homosexuality? You know, I, I just finished watching uh, Bly Manor, for example, on Netflix. And for that story, there's a dominant, you know, I, I love Mike Flanagan, brilliant director, um, up and coming director in uh, the horror genre. But, the, but in that, that TV series on Netflix, there's a dominant um, lesbian relationship. And it's meant to pull your heartstrings and it is worldview shaping if you do not have the scriptures to rebut that. And so just just kind of putting our children out there and saying it's harmless entertainment, there, there's nothing that is, that is neutral. Um, it's either God glorifying or it's not. And, um, and so that's the danger of just sending them out there, right? And you end up having them, letting them wrestle with ideas that they're not ready to wrestle with based on their age, or they're, they don't have the worldview preparation or the biblical knowledge to be able to rest, wrestle with those ideas in a biblical way, in a biblical framework. And, and so we want to avoid that, where it's just drink deeply of whatever pop culture gives us. On the other hand, we don't want to treat uh, pop culture as if there is no image bearing in it. 
um, as, a, as if there's nothing God glorifying in it. We want to, and, and not only that, but that's usually inconsistent. You know, growing up, um, I was raised in a, in a fundamental home, fundamentalist mm-hmm. home. And um, so at church, we were actually taught, you can't watch R-rated movies and you can't listen to secular music. Um, but interestingly, I was at home, uh, we were permitted to basically watch whatever, you know, just turn your head when this comes up. Or uh, Most of my buddies had the same approach in their, in their households growing up, uh, Christian homes. And so I had those two views kind of fighting and I didn't see, I, I, I saw the inconsistency in both of them. You know, you, you tell children that they can watch PG-13 movies, but then can't listen to secular music. It's just an arbitrary standard, an unlivable mm-hmm. standard. And I would go to the movie and my pastor would be walking out, James Bond, you know, the James Bond movie. And you know, James Bond, man. I mean, right, not, right. A, not exactly a, a, a faithful husband. right 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 and so the evil worldview that is present in those awesome action movies right you know so so we want to avoid both of those extremes because we do want to celebrate image bearing and the awesomeness of god's fingerprints wherever they may be found and you know i think i think you can make this argument from scripture you know where you see the, the concept of all truth is god's truth um, when Paul in uh, Philippians 4, 8 is telling uh, the Philippians to think on whatever is good, true, noble, he's using some secular language there, some, some language that would be referring to culture. Uh, we argue that in the book uh, where he, he's not just saying think on scripture. Um, wherever you see goodness, you can rejoice at that. I mean, in America, it would be like, can, can you celebrate an atheist uh, soldier who gave his life or her life to protect our freedom? And of course, Christians, what would what, what Christians say? Absolutely. Well, can you not rejoice when something similar happens in a movie? Or can you, can you not celebrate that and think on that as, as uh, communicating something true about human value, human life, image bearing, and celebrating? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we, we, we celebrate these things already, even, even if someone is who, who says, get away from popular culture they still celebrate God's fingerprints in other areas, you know, like, like for example, with, with our military, with, with soldiers in America, with freedom. And so I, I don't want to keep, does, does that answer your question? Yeah, that's a great, that's a, that's a great way to think it. You know, it, it it's also makes me think too, uh, one thing I'm trying to teach my kids and, and it's hard, you know, I grew up in a similarly um, restrictive home and, you know, now that I'm a parent, I'm a little bit more sympathetic <laughs> than I was when I was a kid because I'm the one saying, man, I really want to protect their minds. And I do really resonate with the idea that our kids are being formed. I've often wanted to create a bumper sticker. You know, your, your kids are being catechized. Who's doing it, right? Like they are being formed. And, I, you know, I've read Jamie Smith's work on you are what you love. And, and I really believe that the habits and the, and the inputs are forming them. But I kind of grew up, you know, it was very restrictive and everything is either every, every piece of art or culture was either bad or good. And uh, I, I'm more sympathetic to that now that I'm a parent. However, I want to teach my kids to recognize what's true and good and beautiful, right? That if we have a, a Kyperian view of the world, that every square inch of this world is under Christ's kingship. And, you know, and thinking about a doctrine of creation, that there are true and beautiful and good things that don't necessarily have a distinctly Christian language. 
So how do we do that, right? So there could be a, a great country song or a good storytelling movie that is nevertheless not explicitly Christian. How do we teach our kids to recognize what's true and good and to reject that those things that are not? Yeah, um, the main thing uh, is sitting down with your children and participating in the pop culture with them. That, that's essential. As our children recognize the word of God, they will recognize the evil and the sin that's that's in the movie. It, oftentimes, and, and if not, parents can stop and say, "Man, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that amazing?" Like if uh, you know, spoiler alert. But if you, if my kids, I've got three boys, and so they're they love superhero movies. And so you like the Avengers Endgame, and and so when folks, you know, when Tony Stark gives his life to save everyone, they they celebrate that reality, and that's something we can rejoice in. And and there's so much awesome in those in those movies, uh, but you can point out those those wrong worldviews, and also remember, um, even from a Christian Christian culture perspective, you think of like the the old Veggie Tales movies, right? And, uh, and, you know, your former uh, boss at the RLC, Dr. Moore, um, really helped to point out the moralism that was present in those and how you never saw the tomato being crucified, you know, right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so how that was dangerous to kind of train up children to believe that they can do the law, um, that, that they don't need um, what Jesus has accomplished or his righteousness in order to be saved. And, and so sitting down even and watching that, or even watching, um, I've heard good things about this new show, the, the chosen. Have you seen any of that yet? I, I have. And I, it's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, I've actually heard. interviewed Dallas Jenkins, the director. Who's oh, a friend wow. Have you seen it? I have not seen it, but I've heard so many good things about it. It's that really well done. Yeah, yeah, I need to I need to watch that. But but even that is a form of popular culture and that that we can sit with our children and point out things. Now this may be speculative speculative, but it fits with what the Christian and the scripture testimony concerning who Jesus is and what he did and what he might have been like and just wrestling with those ideas with parents with uh, with children is formative and helpful and not only that but you know, as well as I do, you probably know this better than I do. Um, I've got, my oldest is about to turn 13. And with you having a teenager already, there's this natural breaking away from their parents that is healthy and godly, but it's also an opportunity for sin to where rebellion can creep in and disrespect and disrespect for authority and things like that. But popular culture can be a common ground and with me, it was sports growing up with my dad. We we could sit, regardless of what's going on, we could sit down and watch a football game together and discuss that. And uh, and so this relationship forming reality that pop culture provides is good and useful as well. And not every piece of pop culture is, you, you know, most of it is marbled through with good and bad, right? Right. It's grace. So if you just, I mean, there's obviously some things we can say are totally. Sure unredeemable right you you can mark some but there's there's a lot of boundaries you can mark okay th these things i mean yes but then there's a lot you know and we shouldn't pull a muscle trying to find something redeeming and some stuff that's just totally unredeeming right because <laughs> sometimes we do that but most things right are a mixed mixture of good and bad right they're a mixture of good art and a mixed message or some good things some you know so i think that's an interesting way to put it too 
Well, before we continue our conversation, I want to just encourage you to uh, check out our friends at Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling has generously sponsored this episode of the Way Home Podcast. And one of the reasons I was excited to partner with them is because I believe so much in the value of good biblical counseling. In the last few years, I've really noticed the importance of counseling, both as a pastor who has to care for people at times, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. There's just times when all of us need to sit down and talk with someone who is skilled at kind of peeling back through the layers of our lives, both the spiritual and the physical and the places where we need clinical diagnosis and we need a, a, a biblical word from God. And sometimes those are, are kind of marbled in together in complex ways that we can't totally understand that someone outside of us can help us do that. I believe this is a really important thing. A lot of times we're afraid to go to counseling. There's a stigma that I don't want to be known as the kind of person who would need to get help. And really we, sh- we shouldn't think that way because all of us uh, are fallen or broken, have needs that someone else that God uh, gifts in a certain way can help with. What's great about the model of faithful counseling is that it's completely confidential and it's completely online. And so if if you're like me and the kind of the stigma of getting up and going and talking to someone is, is a little bit too much of getting in your car and going to an office or a church, you can do this from the privacy of your home. You fill out a an intake process and they match you up with a counselor that's suited to your needs. And if you happen to get a counselor that is just not working for you, you can easily exchange them at no cost. You have access to your counselor through text, through email, and other ways if you have a crisis in between sessions. So I want to encourage you to visit faithfulcounseling.com slash wayhome. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash wayhome. And you will get a 10% discount off your first month's membership, which is which is a really fantastic deal. So visit faithfulcounseling.com slash way home and get a 10% discount off your first membership. I really want to encourage you, uh, if you are listening, you feel depressed, you have anxiety, or maybe you have some thorny relational issues in your family or at work or other places to go seek some help with our friends at Faithful Counseling dot com slash way home. You talk in here too about, um, you have a chapter in here about, you know, we talk about the different ways of parenting, um, but you talk about uh, gospel centered parenting as a kind of alternative to the kind of overprotective or overly permissive. What do you mean by that? Yeah, gospel-centered parenting, the focus is to um, shape our children with with the gospel message, with um, that we need Jesus. You know, we're, we're not better than these other pop culture uh, creators, but they too need Jesus. And I mean, when, when they show their sin and when they argue wrong things, it's precisely because they, they need Jesus. Um, it just reveals our sinfulness. And what they ultimately need is the gospel they need they need Christ and um, they they reveal that they often reveal how they live in our God's world um, but they don't want you know they they hate the law they may not say that but but they refuse to be obedient refuse to come to the light lest their deeds be shown to be evil 
And uh, with gospel-centered parenting, we want to send our children running to Christ instead of instead of assuming that we are better. Like, you know, it's tempting to stick our noses up in the air and to reject all pop culture. Like we're, we're better than those people. Don't, don't go watch this. Don't see that. It's going to corrupt you. You know, it's kind of the, the dog poop analogy where you put, if I put a little poop in these cookies, you know, just a little bit, would you eat them type, type mentality. And we want, we want to reject that. We all of life, it's not just pop culture, but all of life is grace mixed with idolatry. And we're, we're not wanting to tempt our children, but we're wanting them to be able to, sift through the grace and idolatry and distinguish between them and to reject the idolatry and to enjoy the grace. And the only way to do that, and I believe that Paul does this in Acts 17, is by rejecting the idolatry, but also taking the truth that is that belongs to God. It's true because God created it true that a pagan has stolen or has argued because he or she is an image bearer, taking that and rightfully connecting it to the God who owns it. I mean, Paul did this with a, a poem that was actually written about Zeus and said, no, 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 you know, and, and connected that truth that was actually said about Zeus and connected it to the only God who exists, Yahweh. And I, I think that that is uh, what we can do with popular culture. And if we train our children to think rightly about popular culture, they'll be able to live in this world. And you, you think about what pop culture, popular culture is arguing. Usually popular culture is a few steps behind the academy. Sometimes I think they're in front of the academy or the university. And they present ideas that have been tried in academia and they put flesh on it and put it out in front of folks through story, kind of engage folks. In a few years, that those ideals that are just now being put into popular culture are going to be mm-hmm. things that your neighbor and my neighbor are going to be arguing. And so mm-hmm. if we can train our children, we're not only preparing them to live in this world, we're preparing them to live in the world that is coming. Uh, the, 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 world, the world that this world is becoming, if you can train them to think biblically, Uh, about popular culture, you're literally training them to be ambassadors the rest of their lives. Like if they can navigate popular culture for God's glory, they can navigate navigate this world for God's glory, including the university. I mean, it's just training them to be distinctly Christian. And every now and then Hollywood presents a gem. There there are two movies, uh, one movie especially, but I think the movie A Quiet Place. Have you seen A Quiet Place? I have not seen it, but I really need to see it. Oh man, um, it is it is a beautiful picture of biblical complementarianism. I mean, it's just it is like like what does what does a husband being willing to lay down his life for his wife and his family look like, and what does a wife's loving submission to her husband and and making a home look like? I mean, it's just it's really beautiful, and not only that, but feminine strength that that movie presents feminine, distinctly feminine strength in a way that Wonder Woman totally misses. I mean, the woman lead in uh, the movie A Quiet Place is is stronger than Wonder Woman. I mean, it's just a really beautiful picture and nails it. And every now and then Hollywood puts out a movie like that. And I'm like, wow, you know, um, and it's a horror movie. So it is scary, but there's no language or there's no sexuality. I mean, it's, I think it's, I think it's the best movie of 2019. And Man, I was so wanting to see part two, too. But but another movie, that, but it does have a lot of language in it, um, but it's about a community, is uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Have you seen that movie? I have also not seen that one, and I really need to see it because everybody's telling me how good it is. So 
It looks like I have two movies for our family to watch. Yeah, yeah. I watched I watched a quiet you know, this may be show my feelings as a father, but <laughs> I watched a quiet place with my whole family. And uh, even I mean, even the young one, even the five year old, six year old, you know. So well, um a couple more questions here. Sure. You talk about discerning your child's hidden heart. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and you've probably seen this with your own children, but children kind of develop in stages. And we, we need to be aware of our children, things that they can take and things that they may not be able to take. Like there are some who, who may be very sensitive to violence or some who may be, um, who may be not sensitive at all to, to violence. You know, I don't know. And so you, you've just got to discern your children, what they can handle. And you need to, you don't need to violate your children's conscience. Um, conscience is, is a good thing. It's a God given thing. And uh, I actually believe that that's what the Holy Spirit does um, concerning leading us is informs our conscience or awakens our conscience or rebuilds our conscience through scripture, through right thinking. And so we do not want to tear that down with our children. And so if your children are, you know, if they, if they don't want to watch the movie A Quiet Place because it scares them or because um, parents should not force you know, you can reinform their conscience, but you don't want to force them to violate their conscience. And so that's part of what we mean concerning hidden heart. You, There may be times when your children go through a stage of difficulty, especially around puberty, where they are like you think of uh, they may start wearing black clothes or maybe drawn more to more. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to say darkness because I don't mean it is something evil, but they may be facing discouragement more or maybe battling depression. And so children like that, you want to steer them away from some of the darker imagery that's in popular culture. You think of music, right? So what, what music our children choose to listen to is also forming and if a child is battling some of these issues, you you don't want them. You know, I, I was a big fan of Allison Chains and Corn growing up. Obviously, Dan, you're you're godlier than me. You don't even know who those bands are, but uh, but you know, I'll pretend that I know them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so those uh, two bands are miserable. <laughs> I mean, they're they're like they sing about how miserable they are. And so you would want to steer your children. If your child is battling misery, they're not really going to appreciate the art and the beauty that is still present in those songs. Instead, it may help drive them further into misery. And uh, it's similar in Christian counseling. When I'm counseling uh, children, if they're battling some of these things, I'll, I'll send them a playlist of uh, uplifting and encouraging songs because that is primarily what they need because their thinking has been steered whether by their flesh their sinful hearts or um you know other things going on in their life that you want to drive them towards the good the true and the beautiful even though man (laughs) allison chains is awesome as far as ability like they're just amazing i'm not recommending them to folks who are battling the thing the same things the singers are battling uh, but that's what I mean by the hidden heart. We've got to bring those things to the surface. Like, why are you wanting to watch all these dark movies or the listen to all these melancholy songs? Like, what's going on? And maybe try to steer them away from that or to help them wrestle with some of the deep implications. Because oftentimes, these artists, they'll they'll answer interview questions about these songs, and they may have have seen some light. 
Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's been some redemption after those songs. And uh, anyway, I, that's what we mean by the hidden heart is, is you've got to bring those things to the surface concerning your child, how your child is feeling, what he or she is battling or dealing with or thinking. And so you have conversations around popular culture. You know, this might be too bold of a statement, but popular culture has become the the dinner table of the that was back in the 50s, 60s. You know, parents always sitting around and eating dinner together and having discussion. But today, with the hustle and bustle and sports and everything that's going on, uh, meals together is less and less common. But pop culture can be another avenue through which those discussions can take place that are forming. That's good. Well, listen, this is a good book. I want to encourage folks to get it. It's called The Pop Culture Parent, Helping Kids Engage Their World for Christ. There's some really helpful stuff in here, practice session for older teens, uh, how to have conversations with older teens and young adults on engaging popular culture, You know, practice sessions for younger children, all, all kinds of cool stuff, and really encourage people to get this. We'll have a link in the show notes, but Jared Moore, thank you for joining us today on The Way Home Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me, brother. I hope your ministry continues to flourish. Keep laboring, brother. Don't uh, don't grow weary. And well, uh, thank you, sir. Can I can I encourage folks uh, those five questions that you mentioned in the book, the the podcast that I co-host, uh, Pop Culture Quorum Deo. We actually take those five questions and apply them to the various movies. And uh, Dan, we we wrestle with a quiet place on there. And so, if you're looking for um, you know how to talk about a quiet place with your family. We, we walk through um, those questions with that movie. My, my co-host, Jeff Wright, really does a good job with that. It's really helpful. This is really good stuff. I want to encourage folks to get it. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thank you, brother. You keep at it. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at dandarling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash danielmdarling. I also want to encourage you again to check out my latest book, Away With Words, and you can visit awaywithwordsbook.com. Thank you for listening again to The Way Home Podcast. This is a production of the National Religious Broadcasters.